0: Heavier. we've been working through the book of Acts. Uh, we are in season three. We're on part five this morning, which means we're in Acts 13, okay? And so I'm going to read the passage. Let's hear what God wants to say to us. And um, as Carl said this morning, let's, let's just allow our hearts to be a bit more soft, and let's pray some seed will come and sow some fruit. So I'm going to read from Acts 13, verse 4 to 12, and then we'll make some comments about it. And so it's about Paul and Barnabas. It says, So being sent out, Paul and Barnabas, being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had John to assist them. When they had gone through the whole island as far as Paphos, they came up. Um, They came upon a certain magician, a Jewish false prophet named Bar-Jesus. Bar-Jesus just means the son of Joshua. He was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence, who summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the magician, for that's the meaning um, of his name, he opposed them seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also called Paul, Paul's now going to take on his Roman name, so now we'll know him as Paul, was filled with the Holy Spirit. He looked intently at him and he said, you son of the devil, you enemy of all, un, of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy, you will not stop making crooked the straight paths of the Lord. And now, behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind and unable to see the sun for a time. Immediately, mist and darkness fell upon him, and he went about seeking people to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, he believed when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord." It's an incredible passage, an incredible event, and there's some really good things for us, the church, that we need to learn from this. So just to get us up to speed, we're continuing the story, the narrative of um, Paul and Barnabas. They were commissioned, and they were sent out from the growing church in uh, Syrian Antioch. That's where a church was being established. And this church has been running for about a year. And if you remember, while this church was praying and worshiping, and fasting, God says to the church, I want you to release Paul and Barnabas. I want you to send them. I want you to send them out to Cyprus. They need to go and take the gospel and go and preach to another nation, to another people. Almost exactly what we've seen this morning with Josh and Rosie, that God would say, Cornerstone Church, you've prayed, you've worshiped me, you've looked at a map, and you've prayed for nations, I'm going to ask you, and he's called out Josh, Rosie, and their boys, and says, I'm going to ask you to release them. Will you send them? Were we to say no, there would be disobedience? Actually, we need to say yes. Just like the church in Antioch said, Lord, couldn't you send someone else? It's Paul. He's like the main apostle yeah. and it's Barnabas. He's such an encourager. Can't we keep them? And I can suggest two people I would rather send, Lord. That's not how God did it. God said, no, they need to go. And so they were released. Now I remember when I was new here at Cornerstone Church, a few months in, and already I picked up this whole language the church was talking about, cities, nations, sending people, we'd send elders to go and uh, uh, partner with churches or transition churches or to plant churches churches or to lead churches. We sent deacons out. Men and women were coming and going. And this confused me so much. I remember one day I went to one of the leaders and said, why do we do this? Why do we keep sending? Isn't the better plan to keep and to build something big and to build something strong? Shouldn't we build a great cornerstone empire? Wouldn't that be the better way? Make a mega church here in Morning Hill that would impact Johannesburg in South Africa. Shouldn't we keep our best instead of keep sending them out? Luckily, that leader was very gracious and he said, Greg, <laughs> that's not God's model. And I've learned very quickly, that is not God's model. That's not what God does. God's model is that he raises and then he releases. So while you're in this local church, God is raising men and women To a maturity, to an understanding, with an anointing, with a call that would start to burn in your hearts. I love Josh and Rosie's story about sending that email. It said, "We're just sensing God's doing something in our hearts. Perhaps it's a sight. Perhaps it's something, a ministry. Perhaps, perhaps it's transitioning. Perhaps it's they didn't know, but they knew God did something. God was raising." And then God says, now I want you to release. And as a church, we need to release. That's God's model. That's God's way. That's how we pray, church. And God's going to continually answer it. And so I have a piece now that God sends and God releases. And that's what we see happened with Paul and Barnabas. They move on to Cyprus. And our Cypriot community at Cornerstone said, Hallelujah, Lord, that you would send the gospel to Cyprus. Because they are impacted by it. And so we see that they go and they preach and they teach the gospel and they demonstrate the gospel with actions and signs. Now again, whenever I read this, I think about us and I think, once again, after reading this passage, we might wonder and ask ourselves, Lord, how can we do this? How can this apply to us? How can an ordinary group of men and women like us here, how, Lord, can we this, what you've just told us. How can we have this kind of courage? How can we, and maybe ask of yourselves, how can you have this kind of wisdom? How can you act in this kind of power? How can you be a part of these kind of events? Seeing a a magician blinded, seeing a of uh, 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 the gospel proclaimed to numbers of believers, crowds drawing in, meetings with the most authoritative person in Cyprus, representing Rome. How can we have those moments, Lord? How can I do these things? Because as long as we've been preaching Acts, we're preaching we are supposed to be doing these things. And maybe you're wondering, how, Lord, is that possible? If you're asking, how can we avoid these things, then we're praying the wrong prayer. And that's a whole nother preach which we'll get to. But the preach, the, the prayer we need to be asking is, Lord, how is this possible with us? The good news is God has already answered that question. Because look what he says. Throughout Scripture, God says this, Church, my people, I will not leave you as orphans. I will send a helper, an advocate. One will be by your side, the Holy Spirit. He then says, I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. But I want you to wait in Jerusalem that you'll be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He then says, you'll receive power and you'll be my witnesses when you receive the Holy Spirit. Throughout the book of Acts, it says men and women full of the Spirit will do this and do this. Scripture tells us we will receive gifts. We'll have the ability to do actions. We'll have an ability as given by the Holy Spirit. The answer God gives when we say, Lord, how is this possible? How can we ordinary people do these great things that you would ask and command of us? God says, I've given you my Holy Spirit. Be filled by him, be led by him. So this morning, I'm going to look at four ways that the Holy Spirit will lead us and help us that we and empower us that we can do all that God has asked us to do. It's four points of many, but let's look at four points as seen in this passage where the Holy Spirit will lead us. And my hope and prayer is that we would believe and say, Lord, you can use me. All right? First point, the Holy Spirit gives us direction. Gives us direction. Verse 4, in the passage we just read, it says, So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. Who released them and who sent them? The Holy Spirit Gives us direction, he leads us. He tells us the way that we to go. It is important for us, church, that we will continue to be men and women who are directed by the Holy Spirit. The question is: Are we still seeking God's leading by the Holy Spirit in every area of our lives? Let me look at a few verses throughout the Bible. In Isaiah 55, God says this, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. In other words, God's saying, guys, I've got a direction it's far better than your direction. I've got a plan far better than your plan. And if you've got a way, my way is better than your way. So the best we can do for the life that we have been given by God is to say, Lord, tell me your way. What's your direction? Because whatever I've got planned, if it's not yours, it's the wrong way. In Proverbs 3, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He will make your paths straight. If you need direction, God says, Will you trust me? Will you trust me, church, with your heart? Because I will make your path straight. When you feel like you're going up and down, and you're going side and side, and you're going up and down avenues and down alleyways, and you're feeling lost, go before God, who's got a way. So I trust Lord, my heart, lead me. In Isaiah 30, it says, Whether you turn to the left or whether you turn to the right, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. That's just a three verses out of many about God saying, I will direct you in life. I will lead you. You will not be lost. I'll show you a way forward. Can I encourage you? Allow the biggest decisions that you make, and you're going to have many big decisions to make in your life, but allow the biggest decisions you make in your life to be led by God's voice, to be led by God's will. God knows what lies ahead. God knows what lies ahead for this world. He's the author of all things. God knows what's going to happen next week and next month. God knows who's going to win the next local election. Who's going to win the U.S. election? God knows what's happening in Ukraine with Russia and how it's going to end. God knows everything that's to come. He knows when the next pandemic, if there ever is to be another one, will happen. He knows it all, but he says, I still have my will in my way. And then God says, and I know your way too. I'm the author of your life. Will you trust me? Will you trust me to direct and guide you? That means the biggest decisions that you and I make, some of them on a day-to-day basis, some of them on a month-to-month, some of them when the year comes, will you trust God in all his wisdom and knowledge and his love and care for you? Say, Lord, speak to me, lead me, so that then we stand upon his promise and that's the way that we go forward. I know personally, very quickly, I studied child psychology and God said, Greg, I want you to be a teacher. I felt that in my heart. I still went to College, and He says, you go that way. I'll get you back. Don't worry. And he did. After three years of studying, he said, here's the door. I want you to teach because he knew why. And I love it that God made me a teacher. But that was God's voice leading me in that direction. I love it that when it came to my beautiful wife, Nicole, that God spoke to me and said, yep, if you pro- follow me, Greg, you'll be a man worthy enough to marry this girl. He spoke. He spoke about it. I remember with our home. Lord, is this home where we would dwell? Can we build roots here? Can we have a family? And God said yes. In fact, the next morning when we felt it, we looked in our bank account and there was a large amount of money and just a little phrase, for your home. It's like, Lord, this is just incredible. But God was there in it and we knew this is the decision. Call onto this eldership team. Lord, is this your will? I heard God clearly. Why is it important that we hear God clear in those moments? Because trouble's, storms, challenges are going to come your way in life. And when they come, what do we stand upon? We stand on God's promise. God, you said. But you know what the devil does? The devil's been doing this right from the beginning with Adam and Eve. The devil says, did God really say? He said to Adam and Eve, did God really say that if you eat that fruit, you will die? What was the answer? Yes, he did say. Adam and Eve, why are you falling away? Follow God's direction. When Jesus was in the wilderness, led, directed by the Holy Spirit, what does the devil come along and do? He says, cool, let's trip this guy up. Did God really say? Didn't he say, if you jump from the temple, he'll send an angel and he'll catch you? And Jesus, knowing the word of God and knowing God and knowing God's promise, said, yes, but God also said, do not test the Lord your God. But Jesus, if you are the Son of God, turn the bread, the rock into bread. Show your power. Yes, but God says, Man will not live on bread alone, but on the very word of God. Church, what I'm trying to say is the biggest decisions of your life, let them be built on God's word. Hear his voice. Because when the challenge comes and the devil says, really, is this really the way that God's got for you? Yes, God really did say. And when it comes, if my marriage ever goes to difficulty, I don't stand upon my emotions. I stand upon the very promise of God and say, God, you said, this will be forever. And you're in this, I stand upon it. That's what we build upon. And so the Spirit wants to lead us, wants to direct us. But here's what this requires. It requires that you and I will know His voice. We have to know His voice against the many other voices in life. The enemy's voice, the devil, our own voice, the voice of systems in this world. We need to know how to know God's voice. And this requires that we'll know God's word. Are we in the Bible? That's where God will speak to you and me. Predominantly, it's in his word. Can we stand upon his word? Can we build upon his word? God speaks and he directs us. The Holy Spirit, one, wants to direct your life. Ask him, what is your will, Lord? Lead me, do it. Again, Josh and Rosie lay this before God. Are you directing us there? When they go to Australia, And if things get tough, they're not coming back to South Africa. God, you said, so we stay, we fight, we dwell, and the reward is waiting. It'll come because God said. Second point, the Holy Spirit helps us with declaration. He helps us to declare. In verse 5, it says, When they arrived at Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And I love it. What is the message of the church? They declared Jesus Christ as the Messiah whose death and resurrection fulfilled the Jewish scriptures. Church, our message is Jesus. If we have anything to tell anybody, it's to tell people about Jesus, about that day that he died on the cross for you and for me. We sang about it this morning. Jesus, you gave your life for me. You rose from the dead. That is our message. Something the Holy Spirit loves to do, one of His roles, one of His desires in this world is to see Jesus glorified. Some people ask, why don't we see the Holy Spirit mentioned as much in the New Testament? Why don't we see as much glory attributed to the Holy Spirit as we do to the Son and to the Father? It's because the Holy Spirit chooses it that way. The Holy Spirit longs to see Jesus glorified. And part of His role is to say, I want to see you glorify Jesus. And so if we have it in our hearts that that is our desire. When we say we want to exalt Jesus, we want to glorify Jesus, we want to speak Jesus, we want to tell the world about Jesus, that is the name on our lips. That is the person we tell the world about. The Holy Spirit says, well, then I can work with you. I can come alongside you, because if your desire is to exalt Jesus, his desire is to exalt Jesus, then can I come and lead you in what I want to do? So that needs to be our response. Lord, we want to make this about you. The Holy Spirit teaches us all truth. He knows God's Word. He declares God's Word. In John 14, verse 26, it says this, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all the things, and he'll bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. That's a promise. That's one of his roles in our life. He wants to teach us. He wants to encourage us and mature us. He wants us to know the Word, and he wants to remind us what we need to know. Now, Paul and Barnabas have been through it all. They've faced violent persecution in proclaiming the Word of God, and they've faced um, um, joy and jubilation for men and women who've received the Word of God. But through it all, they knew in every moment they need the Holy Spirit to help them and embolden and empower them to declare God's word. The Holy Spirit gives us courage. He gives us boldness. And we see that in Acts 4 when the disciples pray, Lord, look at the threats. But please enable us, your servants, to preach your word with great boldness. And what does the Father do? He anoints him, fills him with the Spirit again, and they went on, preaching and proclaiming the Word of God. It even says in the Bible, when you stand before kings, do not worry. The Spirit will give you the words you need to say. Now, we might not stand before kings, but we'll stand before people of authority. We'll stand before people of different roles and responsibilities and backgrounds. And in those moments, don't fear what you will say. The Spirit says, I'll put the words in your mouth. Paul, it happens to him. He stands before the highest authorities, and he just finds the gospel coming out as the Spirit leads him. The Holy Spirit enables us to declare, to speak, to know the truth, to speak the truth, to have courage and boldness to tell the truth. And I want to mention, it's worth noting, a really cool part in the story is this young man named John Mark, who's Barnabas's cousin, and he's with him and we'll see a bit more about him in the book of Acts. He plays a large role. He actually goes on to write the gospel of Mark. But what's amazing to see is that here's this young man who's journeying along with the older men, Paul and Barnabas. He witnesses the Holy Spirit doing incredible things. He gets to witness the miracles and the declarations, and um, he grows. And that's good for us as a church to see because we've got a great young community who are going to celebrate summer vibes today with karaoke. But you guys are important. You're predominantly there, but you're all over. But you're important. And the question to ask of our young men and our young women is, just like John Mark taking along, who is leading you? And who are you following? Who are you learning from? Question to the slightly older group. That's the rest of us. Slightly older. Is who are you bringing through? Who are you raising up? This church is an incredible community of diverseness, of age. We've got our kids busy being trained and raised and taught about Jesus. But It's lovely to see John Mark coming through and just how God would use him. We need to keep doing that. Where are the John Marks um, in our community? For the older, bring them through. Take them along. Let's go to the sites together. Let's, Let's go on trips together. Let's invite people into your life group. Go visit life groups. Go and encourage one another. That's a responsibility we carry and there's good fruit in it. All right, let's move on. The third and if you haven't worked out, these are all in D's, right? Okay? I'm not going to make, I'll, I'm going to do it now. I'm down the road. I said to Kyle, as he prepared these notes, I said, Kyle, this morning we're going to preach in 4D. Because we've got 4D's. It's a dad joke. I'm allowed to. My a dad of 4. It's in my blood. I can't, I can't stay away. Third D this morning is discernment. The Holy Spirit gives us discernment. Have a look at this in verse 8. It says, but Elymas the magician, that's the meaning of his name, he opposed them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked at him intently and said, and it always sounds like we're swearing when he says, but we're not, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, full of deceit and villainy, you will not stop making crooked the straight path of the Lord. Discernment is so important. And firstly, we see the discernment around this person, Sergius Paulus. He's this authoritative um, uh, character. He's, he's, he plays a major role, representing the Roman Empire there in Cyprus. And he's described as a man of intelligence. But I love this. Many men and women in the Bible who are incredibly intelligent don't have truth. They still lack the truth of God's Word. They might have knowledge and wisdom, but they don't know the truth. And the truth far outweighs all wisdom and all knowledge. So just Paulus calls on this magician, this false prophet, Elymas, To potentially be a a continual source of wisdom. Keep telling me what's right. Keep telling me what's good. Keep telling me what's knowledgeable. Can I tell you the world has not changed? The world is in pursuit of knowledge. The world is in pursuit of wisdom. We long for it. We long to be smart. We long to desire truth. People will search all over for truth. We'll send our kids to school for many years. Please send your kids to school. It's a good thing. We'll, we'll continue studying and get degrees. We'll listen to podcasts. We'll watch YouTube videos. We'll um, travel the world all in pursuit of knowledge. We want to be smarter. We want to know wisdom. You might know people who love the opportunity to bring out those pockets of wisdom and sound smart in the room. People are in pursuit of truth. But the truth is that God has it all. And he gives us all the truth we need in Jesus. He even gives us wisdom. It says in James 1, if you long for wisdom, ask and God will give you wisdom. But here, this proconsul, a man of intelligence, sensed he was missing something of wisdom and knowledge. And he calls Paul and Barnabas to come along. This man of wisdom was willing to ask someone to come and bring truth that he did not possess. This happened another time in the Bible with Pontius Pilate. Another Roman authority. The difference that Pontius Pilate sat face to face with Jesus, the truth sat right in front of him, and Pontius Pilate, in all his wisdom, rejected Jesus. Sergius Paulus, it's different. Sergius Paulus hears of Jesus, hears of a wisdom and a truth he does not possess, and chooses to believe. Carl loves Christmas carols, and he might love this line, it's a line I love, I don't know if it's a Christmas carol or song, but we sing it around Christmas, a line that says, wise men still draw near to worship you. It's one of the favorite lines that I get to sing, we get to sing when it's Christmas time. Wise men still draw near to you. Can I tell you this morning, if you feel wise and knowledgeable without the truth of Jesus, your wisdom stands for nothing. Your knowledge stands for nothing. So just Paul just realized that. And so the truth that we possess is Jesus and the good news, wise men still draw near to him. Then with discernment, we are to discern the attack of the enemy. And we see that here, this person, Elimus. We need to know the ways, the schemes of the devil, of the people, of systems in this world. We need to be able to see them. Since the beginning of the church has been an attack that continually come against the church. False prophets, wolves in sheep's clothing, those who will come to try and mislead and pull and pull the sheep away. A lot of the New Testament letters is Paul encouraging the church, stand upon the gospel, Don't get lured by the lies of the enemy. Don't get lured by the wisdom of men and women. Stand on the gospel. Don't fall to the wayside. I want to share a story. I heard this last night. Clint Clint Barry was telling me this last night. I love it. Just recently, there was a a big outreach at Yeovil. And um, this guy comes to him and says, can I talk to you? Are you one of the leaders? And Clint is. He's an elder here. And he says, talk to me. And the guy said something on the lines of, I'm of a higher Christianity, and I want to talk to you about that. And Clint just discerned, no, this guy's up to nonsense. This guy's just going to waste my time. And Clint honestly just said, I don't have time for this. Wait for the other pastor to come. <laughs> right? Good job. But off of that, Clint walked away. And around the corner was a young girl who came and said, can you come pray for my mom in the building over there? And Clint shared their testimony from the pulpit not too long ago. They went up there with some of the guys, went up, prayed for the mom. She started walking, and she couldn't walk from January. It was a bullet ricocheted into her leg. That whole household accepted Jesus that morning because he got to go and meet this girl, got upstairs, prayed for the mom, and they said, Jesus, we believe in you as Lord and Savior. Now, that all would have been lost if some dude who claimed a higher Christianity took an hour out of Clint's time, and Clint politely just sat there and said, tell me your silliness. But there was a discernment that the Spirit gave him and said, this is not worth your time. You're not dishonoring me, just say no thank you, off you go, and Clint went and God said, cool, now this lady, she's worth listening to, follow her. I love that, I love the discernment and that's our prayer church. Holy Spirit, give us discernment because the world is full of nonsense. People are gonna start talking about the temple. People are gonna start telling you about angels. People are gonna start telling you about how this sign represents Aztec mythology in the Old Testament and you need to say, good luck with you, I'm going to go tell people about Jesus, discern it. The enemy is going to try to detract, distract, and pull us away from our commission and our mission. Guys, let's ask the Spirit, give us discernment. Tell us, Lord, your will, let us do your will and not follow the ways of the enemy. And even as we meet people, Lord, what do I pray? What do I say here? Give me wisdom, give me knowledge, give me a discernment. How do we do that? The Spirit does that in us because he knows all things. He sees through it. He sees the life in a person. He can even see the heart of a person. And so we need this truth, especially now when there's so many lies, so many misleadings going on. Know the false gospels that are being preached and stand upon the true gospel. Last point to end it off. So Holy Spirit helps us with demonstration. And we see this miracle take place. God in that moment brings a judgment over Elymas. He's a false prophet, He's misrepresenting, and God says, you'll be blind for some time. And hopefully that means that there'll be a moment for Elymas to sort his life out. But for some time, God says, I'm bringing you a judgment. And there's this demonstration. But you know what I love? I love when it talks about how the proconsul believes, and Sergius Paulus believes, look what it says. It says there that um, the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, he sees this miracle, this aid that he had is now blind. But then it says, but he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Which would you be more astonished by? A man just being turned blind as judgment or hearing the word of God? Now I'm thinking, I'd be like, oh my gosh, someone just went blind. That is insane. But the power and the authority of God's word when he gives life is that that will be more astonishing than a man becoming blind. And that turned his heart. Hearing the word of God and seeing the word of God demonstrated now, I believe the word of God is powerful in itself and it will uh, soften hearts and will bring life to people. But here's what, 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 what the promises that God would give to us. Because you might be saying, Lord, how do I do that? How do I pray for someone who's sick? This morning, I asked you to pray for someone that's sick. And you might say, what good is that, Greg? I've got nothing in these hands. I know you don't. But the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And he's powerful. And he says, can I use you just as love? Can you just be a contact for me? not a conductor, but just represents what I want to do? Can you speak some words that I'll put in your heart over this person? Could you do that? And all you simply say is, Lord, this is all on you. I'm here, use me and do it. But here's what we do. When we say, Holy Spirit, that's your responsibility. You bring the signs, the wonders, the miracles. You come and give us wisdom. Give us knowledge. Give us prophetic words. Give us words of knowledge that someone in here is suffering that we can go and pray for them. Give us a prophetic word that might direct someone. Give us the gift of healing, Lord. Give us faith. The Spirit says, I will do that. I'll give that to you. And we say, Lord, we will long for it. Can I ask Jono and Aaron in the choir? Could you just start getting ready? I want to end with us singing, but let me end with this. The Holy Spirit helps us with with those things. But I'm aware that for some of us this morning is that you may be saying, We preach a lot about who the Holy Spirit is. And perhaps you say, I don't quite know him. Well, he's there. He's there in God's word. And he's not just there as a token. He's there because he's promised to us. He's a gift. Jesus says that God is such a good father that he would not hold good gifts from us, his children. And then he says, so if you ask for the Holy Spirit, he would give it. Can you see the connection? God's a good father who gives good gifts asking for the Holy Spirit he'll give. And I just feel this. I feel the Holy Spirit and the role that He plays in our lives is relational, church. He's relational. He's not a power. He's not us tapping into magic. He's not us tapping into a force. He's not us building up um, a, a power within us like some superhero. He's a person. In fact, the Bible describes the Holy Spirit as this. He's God. He's God, which means He has all the attributes of God. His love, His goodness, His faithfulness. He's described as a dove when Jesus is baptized because he comes upon us with a gentleness. But he's described as a fire who comes because he's immense and powerful and authoritative. He's described as living water who flows within us and nourishes us and gives us life and goodness. He is the supreme gift to us that in our salvation, God says, what can I give you? I give you, I give you my spirit to live with inside of you. God himself lives inside of us. We will become the temple of God. He's a gift to us. He's the giver of experience. He's the one who will come and help us to see things happen. He gives us abilities. In the Trinity, he's described as the executor. He's the one who does this stuff. God plans it. Jesus mediates it. It's by Jesus, but then it's done by the Holy Spirit executing it. He is the person in our lives and so you might be unsure you might feel nervous and maybe that's the church's fault throughout history that we've put a fear upon knowing who the holy spirit is but he is good he's promised and we need him we will not go further we will not go one step further church if we do this in our own strength but the moment church we say holy spirit come lead us holy spirit come fill us because there's so much more you want to do in us, in directing us, in helping us declare, in giving us discernment and helping us to demonstrate the kingdom of God, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you." And the Father doesn't hold him back. He says, "Ask, I'll give. Can I tell you this? By your confession in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit is already with you. He's already dwelling inside of you, all he's saying is, "Let that fire burn. Let him reign, let him rule." Surrender your heart to him. Let him reign and rule inside of your heart. This is relational. He's a person. Speak to him. Talk to him. Allow him in. Let him speak into your life. Let him lead and direct. Let him comfort you. Let him love you. Let him teach you. Let him even challenge you. But that's the role he wants to play. He's a gift from our good, good father. And our response church is not to say he's an additional extra, he's a must. Jesus says, I'm going so that he can come. All right? If Jesus thought it better he stayed, he would have. But he said, no, the better ways I go and the Spirit comes.